Look at America in the last 40 years. What do we see? A breakdown in the family unit. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Just Like His Father. I think we've all heard it said, He's just like his father. It's stating a fact that the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Meaning, when you see a son acting just like his father, it usually doesn't surprise anyone. For example, Kirk Douglas was an actor, and his son followed in his footsteps, Michael Douglas, Well, he became an actor also. If a father is a great dad, many times a son will also become a great dad. Yet if a father is a horrible father, many times a son will walk in his father's footsteps, meaning he too will become a horrible father. If a father is an alcoholic, as much as his children grow up hating alcohol, The children might just follow in their father's footsteps and also become an alcoholic, as crazy as it might sound. One thing for sure, how a father decides to live his life, that decision will have a radical effect on his wife and his children. The entire home is affected by how a father lives his life. There was an interesting article by S. Michael Craven. He's the founding director of the Center for Christ and Culture. And he said this, quote, he says, If both father and mother attend church regularly, 33% of their children will end up going to church. Okay, well, that sounds pretty normal. He goes on, he says, But if a father is non-practicing and mother regular, Only 2% of the children will be regular worshipers. So if the father bails and the mother keeps going, well, radical decrease in how those kids are going to live their lives. He says, yet if the father is regular, but the mother is irregular in going to church or practicing, extraordinarily, the percentage of children becoming regular churchgoers goes up from 33 to 38% with the irregular mother. Okay, this is like crazy here. He goes on here, he says, in short, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful the wife's devotions, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will become churchgoers, either regular or irregular. I just find that incredible. Isn't that crazy? Only one thing can change that, and that's Jesus. 
So if your mother or your father was regular or not regular, but you come to know Christ, you know, in your life through some weird way or someone just comes up and shares with you, that can change the course of all of this. But just in general, that is incredible. Now, when you look at America in the last 40 years, what do we see? We see a breakdown in the family unit. Divorce rate is skyrocketing right now with over half of the marriages ending in divorce. No wonder our culture is an absolute mess, to say the least. Ann Crowder, dean of Penn State's College of Health and Human Development, she said this quote. She says, if two-parent families, the mother's role in a two-parent family, the mother's role as caregiver is so scripted that her involvement can easily go unnoticed and unacknowledged. But she notes, meanwhile, kids who fathers spend one-on-one time with them may develop higher general self-worth because their fathers go beyond social expectations to devote undivided attention to them, end quote. So this in no way degrades the role of a mother because we know that the role of the mother in the family and the children is unbelievably important. But it is stating a fact that dads that go above and beyond their role and really spend time with their children have an unbelievable effect on the self-esteem of those children. See, God has designed the man to be the head of the family. And when he is fulfilling his role that God has called him to, as God has designed to love his wife as unto the Lord, as Christ loved the church, and to serve and to honor his wife, the children seeing that, and him being the head of that entire family unit, they will move forward with amazing results. We can see the opposite of this played out in the lives of those without a strong father figure or having any kind of a fatherly influence. And we see that with so many broken homes today with so many children not being raised with dads around and many of those children are complete disasters. Think about the famous late actress, I should say, Marilyn Monroe. She said this quote, When I was a youngster, I lived with different families. I nearly always felt closer to the man of the house, maybe because I always dreamed of having a father of my own, end quote. And we know, of course, that Marilyn Monroe died of a drug overdose, and she was alcohol abusing and all of these things. I wonder how much a strong father figure in her life growing up would have maybe changed her life. And never underestimate the influence of a father on his daughters. It was Groucho Marx, a comedian of years past. He said this, quote, she got her good looks from her father. Because he's a plastic surgeon, end quote. He was just joking, of course, obviously. But in all seriousness, we as men and women should do as God has directed us to do in his word. It tells us in Proverbs 1.8, it says, Hear my son, and of course you ladies could take this also, hear my daughters, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. 
is so critical to have both the father and the mother both on the same page in leading and directing their family in the ways of the Lord. Yes, that's why God has directed us parents to raise up our children in the way of the Lord. He said in Proverbs 22, 6, he says, train up your children in the way they should go. Even when they're old, they will not depart from it. And that is something that's such a blessing to grab onto as a parent. He says, train up your children in the way of the Lord. And when they're old, they won't depart. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to take a little hiatus here and there. It doesn't mean they're not going to fall off the track a little while, take a road turn, you know, get off this the, the beaten path and do something stupid like kind of we did at one point in our life. But it says when they're old... They won't depart from it. They'll come back to it. Why? Because you laid a foundation in your life. You laid something down and you stood by it and you lived by it. And it's like they might just come back around when they get a little older. Yes, this is how we are commanded as Christians to raise up our children. And for those of you that are single listening here today, or you don't have children at the moment, this is what God has commanded. And if you, uh, you know, and when you do have children one day, you'll know what you're supposed to do. And for those here that have been raised by parents who, may I say, have not been ideal parents, meaning your parents were a total disaster, Maybe your parents were unloving to you. Maybe your parents were extremely harsh to you. As difficult as those memories might be for you, we need to, as much as possible, embrace our new life in Christ because God has made all things new for us. So, look, some people have better parents than others, no doubt. And as we've already read, parents make a huge difference in our life and how we're raised. But even if you were in the worst case scenario with parents, when you come to know Christ, he can change all of that because Jesus is nothing like what your parents were. Our father in heaven is nothing like any kind of a bad parent that you might have had. And God is allowing us to have a fresh and a new start in him. We can now receive his love. We can now receive his compassion that we were sorted as children. Because God, well, he's a God of love. And we are now able to move forward regardless of how difficult our past may be. And some of you have had some difficult past or how tormented our childhood was. Jesus, again, can make all things new. The Apostle Paul said in reference to his past that included him persecuting the church, even having believers killed. And he was filled with a a prideful arrogance that left him completely empty on the inside. But then he had this to say as he focused on his glorious future as a Christian. Paul said this in Philippians 3.13. He says, brethren, I, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet like perfection or everything's going to be perfect in this life. He says, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting 
about what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And there's so much to that that you have to stop for a second because sometimes we can read something and just, oh, yeah, that's nice. And we just move on. Okay, that's nice. Okay, good. What, What else you got? No, okay, hold on. It's like Paul said we have to forget what lies behind. Isn't that weird how psychiatry today, they want to go back and dig up the past. Let's, let's go back. You're, you're like an onion. We have your many layers. And we have to dig down layer after layer after layer and just keep digging down until we can get down to what the source of your problem is. Well, the source of my problem is I'm a mess. Why do I have to go back and look at that? That's why God says, look, You can't change whatever happened in the past. Talking about being raised in maybe not a good home and your mom or dad was a disaster. You know, maybe you got taken away from them or maybe they died early. I mean, all of these things and you think, oh, my life is messed up because of this and my life is messed up because of that. It's like, well, hold on, hold on. God says, forget all that stuff. See, psychiatry wants you to go back and relive all that stuff. Let's go relive it. Let's try to pinpoint where your mess is. It's like, no, I'm already a mess. I don't have to go back and look at my mess again. It's like my mess is what messed me up. So it's like God just says, look, you can't change anything. Forget it. Just put it out. Move forward. You know, have you ever noticed if you're going to walk somewhere? You know, usually when we're walking, right, we're looking in front of us. Right? Right? Because we don't want to walk into a pole. We don't want to walk off a curb. You know, it's like, oh, whoa, what happened here? You know, it's like we look where we're walking so that we don't trip on something, fall off of something. Like when you're at the Grand Canyon, it's good to look in front of you so you don't walk off the canyon. Okay? So God says, stop looking behind you. Because if we were to start walking around in this life right now, looking behind us, we'd be bumping into everything. So forget what lies behind you and let's walk forward in Christ. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's cleansed us of our unrighteousness. He can forgive and rebuild and refresh those things that had tormented us in the past. So forget those things which are behind and reach forward to what lies ahead in Christ. Yes, we cannot live in yesterday's misery. We cannot continue to blame all of our problems on our parents. We must each own where we are today, and we must forget what we cannot change from our past. I like what movie actress Catherine Hepburn said. This is she's a classic movie actress, but she was huge in her time. And she said this quote: "We are taught you must blame your father, blame your sisters, blame your brothers, blame your school, the teachers, but never blame yourself. It's never your fault." But it's always your fault because if you wanted to change, you're the one who's got to change, end quote. Well, that's true. Stop blaming everyone else. It's like that's what God's saying. Like, look, regardless of however you got to where you're at here today, forget those things and move on. And let's allow God to change us from the inside out. Well, with all of that, as we continue now in our study through the book of Genesis, we're going to consider three points in light of our title, Just Like His Father. Number one, a promise continued. Of course, we're going to be looking at Isaac here today, and he was a lot like his dad, Abraham. And so what does God do? He is going to 
continue the promise that he had promised to his father, Abraham. Number two, a mistake remade. You know, sometimes we make the mistakes of our fathers. Yeah, didn't my dad do that? That's right, I'm doing it now. We're going to look at that. And number three, a grieving heart. I think we've all had a grieving heart over a child and what have you. And we're going to see Isaac and Rebecca as they have a grieving heart over one of their sons. But let's look at our first point, a promise continued. As we read here, picking up in Genesis chapter 26, of course, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine that had occurred uh, during the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land which I will tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and will give your descendants all of these lands. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. Now, we start here with a famine in the land. Now, this happened exactly the same thing to Abraham, Isaac's father, like, I don't know, a hundred years earlier. But this is the first time that has happened in Isaac's life, that he's experienced a famine. Now, notice, the Lord appears to Isaac in verse 2. Now, obviously, he was headed down to Egypt, and that's why we have God telling him not to go there. Now, why would God say that? Well, Egypt has always been representative of the world. It's not a healthy place to go to because usually sin runs rampant in the big cities. If you don't think so, those that are living here in Los Angeles where our church is, hey, open your eyes. Look around a little bit. There's a lot of sin in this city for sure. But now we have God appearing to Isaac. Now, This is the first time that it's recorded that God spoke personally, directly to Isaac. Now, in our last study in Genesis, God spoke to his wife, Rebecca, about the twin sons inside of her womb. But outside of God speaking to Abraham in Isaac's presence at Mount Moriah, when Abraham was told not to hurt the boy as he was going to sacrifice him. That's when God provided that goat as a sacrifice. But there's no other time recorded again that God spoke directly and personally to Isaac. And now, what does God say? He's speaking to Isaac. What's he say? Well, he reestablishes the covenant and the promises that he originally made to his father, Abraham. Now, this is incredible because God now takes the time with this new generation to speak with those who have ears to hear. See, God might have spoken something to your parents or your grandparents or whatever, but guess what? God wants to now 
speak them to you and speak them to you personally. That is, if you have ears to hear what God wants to say to you. See, I love that. I love that God doesn't just say something once and that's it. It's done. Well, what do you, I didn't know that. Well, I told it to five generations, your great, great, great grandfather. No, God brings it back again here to Isaac. And we can know what? We can know that God wants to speak to us personally. He wants to make things real to us. Why? Because God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Yes, I want to direct my children in the way of the Lord. I want to direct my grandchildren in the way of the Lord. But if my children or my grandchildren will have ears to hear, guess what? God wants to speak those things personally to them. You know, it's not dependent on our parents or our grandparents. It's not dependent on our spouse. It's not dependent on those that lead us to Christ. It has everything to do with us individually. God wants to know us personally. He wants to know each one of us. He desires us to seek after him and to know him. That's why it's so important for us to get into God's word on a daily basis, even if it's just for five minutes to say, man, what am I reading here? What is he saying? I wonder what this means to me personally. And it's like as you start, you know, wondering those things and reading God's word, God's going to start speaking to your heart. I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are, how not smart you are, doesn't matter. God will speak to you. And he will respond to you the same way that he responded here with Jesus saying this on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, he said what? He goes, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives he who seeks finds and he who knocks it'll be open but i mean do you see the magnitude of that it's like god is saying to every single person you come to me seek after me ask me things knock i'll open doors for you but it's like the whole key to that is the individual has to do it some people might say you know god never speaks to me okay Well, let me ask you, how much do you seek him? How much do you read his word? How much do you really thrive after that relationship? You know, I think about any relationship. I mean, if we're going to be friends, like if you're going to be friends with me, well, we're going to have to go and pound some three-by-threes at In-N-Out, okay? We're going to have to go eat some cinder block-sized burritos because that's what I do. I eat, and it's just like fellowship. But you have to spend time with someone in order to develop relationship with that person. And so all God is saying is, you come, you develop relationship with me, and then guess what? You'll start asking things, and I'm going to start revealing the answers to you. You're going to seek after me, and guess what? You're going to find me, and you'll have a peace in your life that you've never had in times past. Yes, without a doubt, we have been given access to the God of creation. Does that not just blow your mind for a second? 
you and me, Mr. and Mrs. Nobody here in the scope of all eternity? I mean, like, really, who are we in the scope of eternity? You know, I quoted a couple actresses here, you know, like Catherine Hepburn. Well, guess she's dead now. Some people don't even know who she was, but she was like one of the biggest actresses of all time back in the day. So no matter how big someone is in their generation at that moment, down the road is like, huh, who's that? Oh, whatever. It's just like, who are we in the scope of eternity? But yet God says, you can know me. And he desires that. And now God affirms all the promises that he made to Isaac's father, Abraham. He's now affirming those promises to Isaac himself. He said in verse 3, I will give you the land, Isaac. I give you the land. And I swore to your father, but I'm giving it to you now. Now it's yours. This was as far as the eye could see. And notice, God also said to him, and I will be with you. I will bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 